Hello, welcome back to the Athleticast. It is the 36th episode, and it is May 16th, 2020. Uh, I'm your co-host, Garrett. And I'm your co-host, Brady. We, or not we, I kind of took a surprise vacation that I had no idea about, but I guess it just kind of ended up working. I guess that's how everything runs in the world, right, Garrett? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So, we should be back rolling here. Uh, I don't see anything wrong now, besides our laziness. But other than that, we should be good. All right, so uh, one of uh, us taking Thursday off is that there's more news, which is always fun. So, uh, we're going to hop straight into that and uh, straight into NFL and the first story is that during the four days we were taking off, a pretty big story happened with Giants cornerback DeAndre Baker and Seahawks cornerback Quentin Dunbar. On May 13th, arrest warrants were have been issued for Baker and Dunbar on four counts of armed robbery with a firearm. Baker was also charged with four counts of aggravated assault with a firearm for an alleged robbery in the Miramar, Florida area, where it was said the two robbed partygoers after an argument broke out. An update in the story came on Friday, the 15th, where both parties said witnesses sent letters exonerating them from the crime. And the final update came when both turned themselves in on Saturday. Next story. The LA Rams released their new uniforms on Wednesday, and good lord do they look heinous. From the numbers to the bone color, they're a mess from head to toe, and they should have taken some notes from the Chargers, who have seven new unis that all look good. Next story. The Las Vegas Raiders have agreed to a contract with free agent cornerback Prince Amukamara. The former Bears defensive back will be going there on a one-year deal. Next story, also in arrest news. Uh, Redskins wide receiver Cody Latimer, Latimer sorry, has been arrested on five charges, including majorly assault. And uh, he has been released on $25,000 bail. And final story, before we get into record predictions is that the NFL has announced they are adjusting the Rooney rule where teams will now get up to 16 spots moved up in the third round if they hire a minority coach, executive, or anything of the sort. And uh, now let's hop straight into record prediction. We're going to be wrapping up the NFC West today, and that leads us with the division champs, the San Francisco 49ers. All right, so last year they went 13-3. and They obviously made a pretty deep playoff run, made it to the Super Bowl. But they were one quarter short of uh, kind of holding up that Lombardi trophy. So uh, let's see how they do this year. All right, week one, they play the Cardinals. And uh, I think I'm going to take this one solo, right? Yeah, you are right. Cool, cool. All right, so week one, they played the Cardinals. And uh, like I said in the Cardinals um, version of the playoff, or uh, sorry, record prediction video, uh, the 49ers have a chip on their shoulder after narrowly losing the Super Bowl. So I think they're going to take out all their anger and hatred over the offseason on the poor little new Cardinals. So uh, watch out for maybe a high-scoring game and defense to be ferocious week one. In week two, they played the buffer year Jets. That's all I'm going to say on that. They're a rebuilding team, so they're going to get the W against the Super Bowl contending team. All right, in week three at the Giants, like I said also, uh, the Giants are probably going to develop in a kind of a powerhouse team, but that's going to be kind of week 14 where they start to get that chemistry and stuff in line where they could maybe be a 
NFC East contender. So they're going to lose there, and uh, that means the 49ers are 3-0. and And then week four, they play the Eagles. The Eagles have a, a few more years to develop with the new young wide receivers they have. And uh, Darius Slay is going to be there, so that's going to be a good matchup with Debo Samuel or maybe George Kittle. So that's going to be a good game, but the 49ers are going to get the W there. So 4-0, and uh, almost reminiscent of their run this year where I think they went – what was it, eight now before losing? I think. Yeah, they had a very nice run to start off the season, and I think the same way is going to happen this year. And uh, week five, they played the Dolphins, who are probably not going to be good until next year when Tua has probably an amazing sophomore season. So they're going to get the W there. And then week six, they played the Rams at home, and the Rams – I'll just leave it at go watch the uh, Rams record prediction video for the rest of these NFC West. All right, week seven, they play at the Patriots. The only problem is their offense is even worse than it was last year, so they're going to get the W this year. And uh, week eight, they play at the Seahawks. They're going to take a loss there because even playing in Seattle is very ferocious, and I think the 12 will make sure that they get the dub there. Uh, Week nine, they play the Packers. I have them taking an L there. The Packers are a very good team this year. They obviously picked up another kind of above-average wide receiver in Devin Funches, so that's going to really help with that offense because before it was just the Devontae Adams show. And uh, week 10, oh, I should probably say what happens. Uh, they're going to lose to the Packers. And then the next week at the Saints, they're going to lose to the Saints. The Saints offense is probably going to be one of the best next year. They really were very good this year, but they were just missing that wide receiver two-piece and now they have that with Emmanuel Sanders. So I think with all that put together, along with Cameron Jordan, Marshawn Lattimore on the uh, defense, I think they're going to get the W there. The Saints are. And then week 11, they have a bye. So, nice. And uh, week 12, they play at the Rams, and I have them taking a W here. Uh, the 49ers had really of a end-of-the-year stretch, really, where they were getting a lot of Ws, and kind of in the same fashion this year. So uh, they're going to beat the Rams at Los Angeles, and then they're going to play the Bills. And I think the only thing that's going to guarantee their win here is that their defense is slightly better than the Bills. Obviously, that front four, uh, the the pass-rushing defense, is very, very good with Nick Bosa and uh, et cetera. And uh, for that reason, they're going to get the W. And Week 14, easy win against the Redskins. They're not good. Uh, Week 15 at the Cowboys, I have them taking a loss there. I think they've really went on this win streak, and they're going to get a little cocky. And then uh, Dallas Cowboys going to have a real chip on their shoulder that people are – I probably don't have them having a very good season. But uh, I have them kind of turning it up a little bit week 15 and the Cowboys beating the 49ers. And then week 16 at the Cardinals, win. Uh, no reasoning there. Just watch the Cardinals. And then uh, for the Seahawks, they also get a win because – I said it last recording why they were going to win that. Kind of can't remember. Don't want to mess anything up. So uh, at the end of all 17 weeks of the 2020-2021 football season, the San Francisco 49ers are going 12-4, and in my opinion, which is a one loss gained from uh, last record. So that'll probably still win the, them the division. I would say so. I don't see anything wrong with that. Their schedule's not super hard. Nope. So that might make it a lot of or a little bit easier for them to work that way. 
Does that wrap up your NFL news, Garrett? That does indeed. Perfect. I'll move right over to NBA news. We're going to go over NBA news, and then we're going to go over the lovely Last Dance news. When we start the Last Dance, Garrett's going to read his very big descriptions that he has wrote down, and then we are going to ask some questions. And by we, I mean I will, and we will rebuttal on those. Yes, indeed. Exactly. So, the first part of news for NBA is that Lakers center Dwight Howard is mourning after his son's mother dies of an epileptic seizure. As the nation is really uh, reeled by coronavirus pandemic, the Lakers have been shook even more because of Dwight Howard losing this. Um, She died at 31 years of age on March 27th, but he really uh, kept it pretty quiet in her home in Calabasas. So very sad news there for the NBA. But big news by Chris Paul says that if NBA really isn't going to do anything soon, it's going to make a lot of NBA players not very happy. And he Mm -hmm. says, in quote, we want to play bad. Well, obviously, everyone wants to play bad. Mm -hmm. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean... Do you I think really obviously think that something could happen. I think obviously uh, coming from the NBA Players Association president Chris Paul, that's why I think this is such a significant thing that's coming straight from the top. And I think it was I think LeBron, most of the big players like LeBron, Giannis, Chris Paul, uh, Luca, they've all been adamant that they want to play this season because I think they don't want to get rusty. So uh, I think just like the fan base, the players are kind of in the same boat, kind of wanting to get back on the court and uh, in time for the playoffs because uh, I still have the Lakers winning it all. You know, there's a very good chance that they could have done that. And uh, sadly, that's not going to happen. Probably just because there's not a lot of progress being made uh, as of now. But, you know, never know. Next week could be we could find the – find the cure to it we don't know but Detroit Pistons news and it's in the NBA news that Bruce Brown player for the Pistons had thumb surgery but is now ready to play even though they can't play he's ready to play Pistons are excited because why not yep finally someone who never mind we're still going to be bad (laughs) and my last piece of NBA news also another sad piece that is really hits to your two people's hearts um, is that autopsy showed that Kobe Bryant and all members of the helicopter crash died instantaneously. So none of them were suffering after the crash. They died instantly. Yeah. It's a little silver lining. Obviously we lost one of the NBA legends, but uh, it's uh, good news to hear that at least they didn't suffer in the pain. Yeah, it's horrible to talk about that stuff. It's very gruesome, but it's also news that needs to be shared. Yeah. And that's my NBA news. All right, I got two pieces, and that is that Nets guard Spencer Dinwiddie has said on Twitter he will sign a one-year deal with the NBA team fans decide if they reach a Bitcoin target of roughly $24,632,630 on a GoFundMe. If the goal is not reached, he will donate 100% of the proceeds to charity. Uh, what do you think of this kind of off-the-wall approach to uh, 
picking your next team by leaving it in the fans' hands? Uh, it's super hard to really think about that, wrap that around because the fans could be so biased one way. I mean, that's just my opinion. Does that make kind of sense? Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, if the fans were like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, yeah, it might happen. When the fans are really going to like decide, okay, we're going to start doing this, that, and the other and ruin maybe someone's career by doing so. I don't know. It's just a lot of thought. You got to put a lot more thought into it. Yeah. I think uh, it'd be pretty cool to see him go. He won won the the LA. LA. Like, like maybe maybe the lake. lake. Oh, I'm getting a little feedback. Uh, I don't know if it's from your phone or something. But, uh, yeah, going to the Lakers, maybe they really need kind of that kind of dynamic guard. Are you back? Okay, yeah. I don't know. My microphone wanted to turn to uh, my AirPods. It was just like, psych, I'm going to do that. Yeah, I was hearing text message notifications in there. Yeah, cool, huh? Yeah, definitely. But uh, I think I was just talking about how it would be pretty cool for him to maybe go to the Lakers since they need a really dynamic guard to kind of wrap up that really good team. And, uh, yeah, next story. Uh, The NBA's basketball has got a new face this week as Wilson will now be the official ball of the NBA and has previously been Spalding since way back in the Showtime Laker days with Magic and Kareem. And I'll do it for my NBA news. Very, very big news with that. That could change a lot. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Wilson's good, though. I like him. All right. So, uh, you have any MLB news? Well, we got to do last dance news. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Forgot. All right. So, uh, we're going to start out with the recap for episode seven. So, let's just jump right into that. The episode begins with the first round of the 1998 playoffs where the Bulls faced the New Jersey Nets. Game one went into overtime after MJ said for the Nets to win one game, the Bulls would have would have to fall asleep. And they must have because they only won because of a last second steal from Michael Jordan. Jordan looked tired and mentally worn out and it drew comparisons to 1993 after the three-peat and his father James' friendship with Michael who steered him in the right direction. After James didn't show up to the airport, his mother got worried, and after three weeks missing, authorities found James in a crate at the border of North and South Carolina. Because of the immense grief that you can imagine after your father and your best friend gets murdered, Michael decided to announce his retirement after the 1993 season in a press conference. In the year of 1994, Jordan joined the Chicago White Sox to fulfill his father and his own childhood dream and was sent to the White Sox double-A team, the Birmingham Barons, located in Alabama. He had a below-average first season after starting off hot, but in his second season, he batted 202, which was better than some of the top prospects that year. And that was likely because of his strong and famous work ethic that kind of got him so famous in NBA to, in the first place. All right, and uh, back to 1998 where he's back on the saddle, and we again get a look at Michael being a rough-and-tough competitor with his teammates in practice, such as the case with Scott Burrell. 
And now, enough of 1998, they decided to switch back to the 1993-1994 season. First season without MJ on the Bulls, and they were doing well, not being harped on by the star player, but winning by committee, as they put it. The Bulls made it to the Eastern Conference semifinals against the New York Knicks, and they were down 2-0, and with two seconds left, Phil Jackson drew up a play with rookie Tony Kukic taking a last-second shot, which ticked off Scotty so much that he refused to go in the game. Kukoc did hit that last shot, but they went in the locker room post-game upset and quiet. The Bulls almost came back after a heartfelt apology after being called out by Bill Cartwright, but emphasis on the almost, they lost 4-3 to the Knicks, returning to the 1998 playoffs. I know a lot of jumping around, but the Bulls swept the Nets, where they now move on to the Charlotte Hornets. And that's where episode seven wraps off. You know, very confusing. I would say to a lot of people, very confusing. Yeah. But what I say the biggest picture that it showed there is where Michael came from and where Michael got. So it also kind of threw in there a little bit of popularity as well, his situations and how he handled himself mm-hmm. with, the, uh, with the paparazzi and et cetera. But most importantly, Everything that Michael did was documented. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, so Michael's dad dies. Then they go, the media keeps going deep and deeper and deeper. And then they're blaming Michael for his gambling habits on his dad's death. Yeah. It was completely random when his dad just pulled over on the side of the road, just wanted to take a nap because he was Mm -hmm. tired. It's just horrible things to really think about and horrible for the media to do such a thing, but that's how they make their money, which is the sad part all about it. Yeah. But then fast forwarding up with Michael playing good again, you look up and then Michael just works so hard and worked harder and harder and harder. So anyone with that work ethic, even with him going into baseball, I give huge credit for Michael working that hard, especially after his dad died mm-hmm. and also before because it w- went everywhere. But, uh, you know, lovely, lovely stuff and, you know, crazy stuff to also think about. All right. Uh, moving on to episode eight. This episode starts off as a direct continuation off of episode seven. Michael is upset after BJ Armstrong exposed the Bulls defense and had a game to tie the series one-to-one. In typical Jordan fashion, he clamped BJ and went ballistic for the rest of the series, winning it four-to-one. On to Indiana. Then, it briefly details MJ's return to basketball after an MLB player's strike and the infamous facts where MJ simply says, I'm back. It was near the end of the regular season, and he needed one game to kind of shake off the rust, and then it was like he never left. In that season's Eastern semifinals, the Bulls meet the Orlando Magic, who now have Horace Grant, who was formerly on the Bulls, in that uh, first three-peat. Uh, they also have a young Shaq and Penny Hardaway. The Magic win game one, usually. When uh, Michael Jordan loses a game, it's go time the rest of the series. But not this time. The Magic won the series, and Michael started training the day after they lost it. No cool-down period whatsoever. But that summer afterwards was no ordinary summer, he was filming this little-known movie called Space Jam with Bugs Bunny. 
And uh, Jordan wanted a gym and a workout facility on set so he could fully get ready for the next season. That offseason, Jordan had to get accommodated with his new teammates, Steve Kerr, Bill Wennington, etc. The 1995-1996 Bulls is argued to be the greatest team of all time because that's when they acquired uh, Dennis Rodman. And uh, they breezed through the playoffs, only losing one game in the first three rounds. And in the finals, they faced off against the Seattle Supersonics with the glove, Gary Payton, and Sean Kemp. The night before game one, the teams went out to dinner, and Sonics coach George Carl walked past Michael Jordan without even talking to him. And you know, Michael, you don't look at him for more than two seconds. He'll use that as motivation and dominate. The Bulls go up 3-0. Ooh, that was a weird way to say that, but 3-0. And, uh, but then Gary Payton, the defensive player of the year, had enough and decided to actually guard MJ. And it worked. The Sonics won the next two games, but now comes one of the most emotional games. Game six of the finals landed on Father's Day, and Michael's dad wasn't there to watch him and the Bulls win the finals. And Jordan collapsing in the locker room in tears with the game ball after winning the championship was truly emotional and heartfelt. And we end with 98 time where the Bulls are about to tip off against the Indiana Pacers and it fades to black. I have one word for that episode, which is wow. They packed a lot of information into one episode for, I mean, I, I just can't even think about it. Okay. The biggest thing is how does, Michael Jordan, he's at Warner Brothers Studios. They built him his own gym and workout facility. He says, teammates and other people come out here so we can play basketball to make me better. Yep. All the new guys to get him back and renovated just like the old him. It's just amazing. Amazing. Who does that? Michael Jordan is the only one that's even attempted to do such a thing. Yeah. Tell LeBron James comes and plays when he's 60 years old. Just kidding. <laughs> but, you know... It's just amazing for me to look at. But going back to the Charlotte Hornets with BJ Washington, or wow, I probably Bob, There you go. Yeah. I sorry, I thought about Washington, Seattle. Yeah, sorry. Um but BJ Armstrong, also being a former teammate of Michael Jordan, ex- tried to expose him. But the best part of that entire episode is listening to that. And Michael Jordan saying that he used something against B.J. Armstrong, saying that he went by him with a bad attitude and said some crap. Mm-hmm. But no one really knew. He didn't say anything. Michael made it up as motivation for himself. Yeah. Again, who does that? So and he used it against it, and he laughed about it. It was just one of those things that Michael Jordan did that just made Michael Jordan Michael Jordan. Yeah. And we couldn't see him as anyone else. Willing to win at any cost, really. Right. To con- even convince himself that it's real. Which is amazing. So, yeah, this is probably one of the best uh, two-episode kind of series that has come out yet so far. Kind of one of the best two-episode pieces that have been released. And uh, this is going to come out Saturday. So, the finale, 9 and 10, is going to be coming out tomorrow. So we'll probably get that to you around Tuesday, uh, unless maybe I have to take a surprise vacation, but uh, you never know. All right, so uh, moving on off of Last Dance, 
uh, MLB news. I have one piece. I have no NHL news. I usually barely max have two pieces of each. But uh, in MLB news, rest in peace to Bob Watson, who was the first black general manager to win a World Series, which was the 1996 New York Yankees Fall Classic win. And he died Thursday at the age of 74. So rest in peace to him and condolences to his family. You have any MLB news or uh, NHL? Yeah, I have a lot. Good stuff. I have MLB news. And that the MLB eyes for a $640,000 loss per game. That's all the teams combined. $640,000 loss per game. There's a lot of games in the season. MLB is a very big sport. Yeah. Just because of the game per capita or whatever people are going to say. I kind of botched it, but it's okay. Yeah, yeah. You already talked about Bob Watson. The MLB is planning to hold a remote draft on June 10th and 11th. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, NFL did pretty well (laughs) on that. We enjoyed that. It was a little bit longer. It almost seemed like normal, but it's anticipated because that's just how it's going to go. Yeah. And we'll see how that goes. MLB is also trying or repeatedly testing to try to get a reopening here soon in the next coming months or month to get the MLB season going and cutting down on the games. We've already explained that, but they're also repeating it over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also uh, probably not a lot of you know, but ex-MLB manager, his last name is Howe, is in ICU right now with coronavirus. Big condolences to his family. Hopefully he gets better. And the last part of MLB news, and I only have one more piece of news for the day, is that the Cincinnati Reds lay off less than 25% of staff due to the virus. All right. uh, If that's all you got, I got some college basketball and college football. And I'll start off with b-ball. And uh, that first story is that Georgetown guard Mac McClung will enter the NCAA transfer portal. And uh, a dark horse contender for the electric dunker has been the Tennessee Vols. So uh, let's see how that unfolds in the future. And uh, next story is that Evansville forward DeAndre Williams has transferred to the Memphis Tigers over Baylor, Kentucky, and Arkansas. Williams averaged 15.2 points per game, 7 rebounds per game, and 2.7 assists per game. Next story, uh, also in grad transfer news, uh, the Ole Miss Rebels have landed Arizona State grad transfer Romello White, who averaged 10 points per game, 8.8 rebounds per game, and one assist. And in even more grad transfer news, UNLV guard Jonah Antonio has committed to the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Antonio had a small role on the Rebels, so watch for development progression. Wow, words are hard. In Wake Forest this upcoming season. All right, uh, now moving on to college football news. Oklahoma got a pair of commits in 2021 five-star wide receiver Mario Williams from Florida and four-star offensive, wow, outside linebacker Clayton Smith. Williams is a 12th-ranked prospect in the 21 class per rivals. And Smith had 20 sacks and six touchdown catches, so there's a little versatility there as well. Next story, Talia Tagovailoa, who is the brother, younger brother of Tua, the freshman quarterback from Alabama, is transferring to play for the Maryland Terrapins, where he will have three years of eligibility left. 
Next story, the UCLA Bruins are poised to hire Boston College Athletic Director Martin Jarmond. Nice rhyme there. Uh, for the same position. And then final story, I'm probably going to butcher this name, but uh, Amika Egbuka, who is the number one wide receiver in the 2021 class, has listed his four finalists for where he will take his talents. Those four are Ohio State, which would not be very good for Penn State and MSU, Oklahoma, Clemson, and Washington. And that'll wrap up my news for the day. I'll finish it out here. And uh, I have PGA news for the day. Um, fair are some fairly big PGA news. Or actually, there's one LPGA news as well. So LPGA event in Michigan, the Meyer Invitational, has been canceled for July. So all you uh, women's golfers fans in Michigan, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, PGA Championship is to be back in Quail Hollow in 2025. Just a few years away, right? Just tad. Yes. Justin Thomas is the headline on the new PGA Tour 2K21 video game. Very excited. I'm definitely going to get it. I'm going to love my life. <laughs> it's about time we got a 2K game for golf. And a big match tomorrow. We have Rory McRoy, Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, and Matthew Wolf all squaring off in match play tomorrow. Finally, we get some golf back. That'll be Sunday, 17th. And last part of news that Roy McRoy is natively from Northern Ireland, is now criticizing United States President Donald Trump and is making bad things about that, which is kind of bad because he hopefully will not get deported. <laughs> Great stuff. And that wraps up my news for today. All right, uh, thank you guys for watching The Athletic Cast. Please enjoy the rest of your May 16th. We're going to be posting this a little later. So also enjoy your May 17th. And uh, this has been your co-host, Garrett, uh, signing out. Probably on Monday, we're going to be moving to... Ooh, what division do you want to do next, Brady? I say we do the NFC North. All right. Get a little hometown Lions action there. All right, so yeah. let's start with the Lions, who had the worst record uh, in the NFC North last year. Big surprise. Big hype. But, uh, yeah, Monday, look out for that. Co-host Garrett, signing out. Yeah, thanks for telling me that, Garrett. Put me on the spot. Love NFC North. Uh, Lions are still going to be bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I always got hope. But Hopefully not really, as bad. Yeah, but they'll still be bad. There's no doubt about that. So, that's going to be me signing off. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for coming back. Sorry I had an unannounced vacation. But from now on, I will let you know. Peace out.